Hey, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I'm your host, Don Sutherland, and with me, as always, is my brother, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? All right, remember, you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com or DM us on any of our social medias if you got anything to say. Andrew, what are we talking about? Uh, today, we're going to talk about the band Sepultura hitting their peak in popularity and then Max Cavalera leaving the band like immediately after. Oh, I, I I missed that line. All right, let's get let's get into it. Like, did he leave because they were successful? Well, that's or, that's what we're going to talk about. But uh, right, right. I mean, we talked a, a little bit about Sepultura in the I believe it was the 1996 episode because we talked about their album Roots as one of the. Key, uh, albums that came out that year yeah i think they've they've come up once or twice uh, otherwise as well but uh, yeah in this episode we'll do a little history on them and then we'll we'll go through a, a bit of what happened max leaving the band and stuff so yeah sounds good uh, all right so we'll start off with a uh, brief history so sepultura is a brazilian metal band that formed in 1984 in a city called bella horizonte in brazil okay. uh, so although generally known as a thrash metal band at least like earlier on that early work was a combination of death metal and thrash metal with some black metal elements, which was kind of kind of common back then because like those kind of subgenres were still sort of forming at the time, mm-hmm. like death metal, black metal, thrash metal, that kind of. So sometimes they would, they would sort of cross over a bit. Okay. So the band was started by uh, brothers named Max and Igor Cavalera. The the Cavalera's father is a guy named Graciliano. He passed away when Max and Igor were really young, and he was actually Italian, and he worked at the Italian consulate in Sao Paulo in uh, Brazil. Okay. Yeah. And uh, his family had come over from Italy to escape the war, which I'm assuming they mean World War II. The, Italy yeah, the, the big one. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, Max says that the family had planned to move to Rome the following year, following like, when his father passed away. But after their father died, they, uh, they had to move into a room at their grandmother's small home in Belo Horizonte. And this impoverished upbringing really pushed them into becoming uh, metal musicians. So yeah. like, their lives would have been very different if they had actually, if their father hadn't passed away at that in our inopportune time, and they'd actually moved to, to Italy. So uh, right. he said they might not have become a musician at all if it wasn't for that those circumstances. Okay. So kinda... Yeah. That that makes I guess that makes sense, especially for Brazil, because as far as I know, maybe it was different back then. There's a pretty hard like poverty not poverty line, but uh, disparity between like, if you have money and if you don't. Like, yeah, well, they went from that, they went from having some money to having like no no money. Like his dad was really, I think he said his dad was like early 40s when he passed away, he was really young. Right. And uh, he, he didn't really leave them much money. Uh, mm-hmm. to, so they, they ended up having to kind of live in a, in a lower income bracket, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just as, as far as I understand, that's a tough place to be poor, Brazil. Yeah, yeah, definitely, especially like, yeah, in the cities, right? Like, mm-hmm. By uh, by 1984, they dropped out of school to focus on music. Uh, so okay. some uh, some influences that they had, there's uh, a band at the time called Dorsal Atlantica, who Max described it in an interview as the Brazilian Venom, mostly due to like their satanic imagery, like which uh, Venom was pretty well known for. Right. Uh, the the name Sepultura is Brazilian for grave, and it came from Max translating the lyrics of the Motorhead song called dancing on your grave oh, okay so, some other of the influences i'll list off for uh, max and igor cavalera were uh, black sabbath queen led zeppelin 
uh, some hardcore punk influences like Discharge. And then uh, after hearing Venom and some more extreme acts like Hellhammer, Creator, and Sodom, kind of led them more in that direction. Right. I've talked about some of these bands before. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 50-50 right now for recognizing names. <laughs> the uh, the first stable lineup of Sepultura consisted of uh, Max Cavalera on guitar. And uh, I'm going to state, they so back when they first started out, they were all like teenagers pretty much. And they uh, a lot of these bands, they tend to give themselves like uh, nicknames or pseudonyms for like on stage. Right. So, like, like some of those black metal bands would do. Yeah. Uh, so Max's name was Possessed. And... Uh, so his Max on guitar, his brother Igor on drums, his name was Skullcrusher. Their <laughs> uh, okay. their original vocalist, the guy named, uh, I don't know if you pronounce it, Wagner or Wagner, uh, Lamounier. And uh, his nickname was Antichrist. <laughs> and, uh, and bassist Paulo Pinto Jr. And his nickname was Destructor. So they had some pretty... Uh, Badass nicknames, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like <laughs> not not like bad ones, just maybe not horribly creative. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like they, they sound pretty like evil and threatening, but they're not, yeah, not super creative. Maybe it definitely seems like something like teenagers would come up with, right? But yeah, 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 totally. Or the one guy was at the gym and he's like, "Let's do some skull crushers." Hold on a second. I I don't, I don't think they stuck with those very long. Like maybe just for their first like EP and maybe oh, their first okay. album. Like they grew out of that pretty quick. Uh, Lamounier La would leave the band to join Brazilian black metal band Sarcophago, who I may have possibly mentioned at one point in our maybe in our black metal episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, after he would leave, Max would take over on vocals. Right. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Jairo Jairo uh, Goods. I don't know how to pronounce these names. Like G U E D Z. G U. I have no idea. We'll just call him Gyro T because that was okay. one of his nicknames. And his nickname was Tormentor. <laughs> that's, but yeah. I think that's the best one so far. If I ever uh, refer to him again, I'll just call him Gyro T. It's just way easier. Okay. Um, he, would, he would join as their lead guitarist. So like right. Max would basically shift to like vocals and rhythm guitar, and Gyro would be like their lead guitarist. Right. So uh, th- this lineup would record the band's first EP in 1985 called Bestial Devastation. And it, they, split the, uh, they split the record with another Brazilian band called Overdose. Uh, they released their full-length album, Morbid Visions, in 1986. And it, this would be similar in sound to Bestial Devastation. It's pretty lo-fi, like, death, black, and thrash metal mashup. Uh, okay. Fairly common for that time period, like the mid-'80s. There was a lot of that stuff coming out. Right. Um, so there's a song called Troops of Doom off of uh, Morbid Visions. That would be the band's first hit. And But by hit, I don't really know what that entails. I didn't really look at the numbers, but <laughs> it was... Uh, from what I was reading, it was uh, a bit of a hit for them anyway. Uh, Gyro T would leave the band as they were writing their next full-length album called Schizophrenia, and he'd be replaced by another Brazilian guitarist, a guy named and- Andreas Kisser. Okay. And uh, 1987 Schizophrenia would take the band in a more thrash-oriented direction, like away from the, the death metal stuff a little more. Right. And it was, uh, It's a more polished performance, uh, much better production, um, they would subsequently get signed by Roadrunner Records and then release an album called... You've, you've heard of Roadrunner, right? They're pretty big. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I, like, that's a big label, right? Yeah, Roadrunner is pretty pr- prolific. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously a big thing for them to get signed to a, a U.S. Is, is, is Roadrunner... They're American-based. Yeah, guess. New York. Based out of New yeah. York. Actually, yeah, because in some of the stuff I was reading, Max does talk about going to New York to meet with people. So, okay, that makes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That would track. 
Yeah, because there's a. I don't think I wrote the story down, but there was a story about him having to, like, to try to get to the states to go to this meeting with the record label, and uh, like he was like a kid from Brazil, so he had to he, like tied his hair back and he had to like pretend he was an employee of the airline to get like get on the flight to go to like somebody hooked him up with some kind of like employee ticket or something, so he like pretended oh. he worked for like Pan Am Airlines oh. to like try to get to New York, so he go to this meeting. Pre pre nine eleven flight travel was really yeah. Something. This is. This is very pre nine eleven. It's like like nineteen eighty six or something like that, right? Or whatever it was. Um, Less rules then. Well, yeah. So, so we we're talking about uh, beneath the remains, the uh, the album after schizophrenia. Right. It's uh, yeah. it's wi- widely regarded as a thrash classic, and the band has noticeably improved both musically and the production is top notch. Like even compared, like every, it's like it's like a lot of bands you see the progression. So like every album or two, you'll you'll hear the difference in you know the production quality, the musicianship, the songwriting. So it's like a, no different with Sepultura. Like as you progress through their albums, you can hear the progression in the music. Yeah. Um, so ap- apparently, Beneath the Remains made it into the UK top twenty and the US top forty, which is a pretty big feat for a freaking like thrash death metal band. Yeah. Uh, they would subsequently get their first shows outside of Brazil, in first in Europe and then in the US. So uh, up to that point, they'd only played it in Brazil. Okay. Uh, they would get some airplay on Headbangers Ball for the uh, Inner oh, nice. Yeah, there was a song called Inner Self on Beneath the Remains. It's, they had a video for it. Okay. Um, cool. In 1990, the band relocated from Brazil to Phoenix, Arizona. So they, uh, yeah, they're moving up. <laughs> from all accounts, Phoenix is a nice place. Sure. Yeah, so their uh, their fourth studio album called Arise was released in March 1991. So by this point, Sepultura is viewed as one of the top thrash bands in the world. At one point, they were playing for more than a hundred thousand people at the uh, Rock and Rio Two Festival in January '91, so they're getting to be like a pretty big deal. Uh, the uh, the single from that album is called "Dead Embryonic Cells," and it's a great song. And like, uh, really, the band's starting to fire on all cylinders here. And uh, notably, Igor is drumming. He's uh, becoming a very respected metal drummer. Like, and from what I hear, he's like he's one of those guys who hits really hard. Like, right? Where, where you know when they're in style. Yeah, like when they're in the studio, it's like. Uh, I'm sure they had to like adjust for that because he just like, yeah, I guess he's just a really, really like hard hitting drummer. But if I, as you listen to the progression, which we'll hear later on, I mean, you'll hear his drumming just get better and better like, throughout right. the albums. The uh, the other single off the album was the uh, title track, and uh, the video was actually banned from MTV at the time for its religious imagery. So there's like this apocalyptic kind of burning crucifixes and stuff in the background of the video. So I, I guess uh, some people took offense to that. Yeah. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. You did it. You saved the world. You kept a music video off television. Good job, everybody. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you've saved all of our children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The morality police. Um, Max would go on to marry the band's manager. Her name was uh, Gloria. Around the time that the band was touring for Arise, and uh, this marriage, like him marrying the manager, this would play a large role in him leaving the band several years later. So we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Mm, okay. uh, Sepultura's next album would be, in many people's opinion, kind of their opus. Is that okay. what we call it? Like their big Mag- magnum big, opus, yeah. Yeah, magnum opus. Uh, Chaos AD is what the album's called. So, although still in part a thrash album, it would be a departure from the death metal aspect of their music. And then it would incorporate some other elements, such as uh, groove metal, some industrial elements, and uh, also hardcore punk. So, cool. like, okay. you can kind of, when you listen to the whole album, you can hear all those elements. Yeah. Pick pick out like the depth of it. Yeah, yeah. There's one song in there that's like a punk song, essentially. 
Okay. I mean, if you look at the track list, you'll see like the song that's a minute and a half long is probably the punk song. Yeah, yeah. especially like when compared to metal songs, <laughs> mm -hmm. that would stick out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, traditionally metal songs would be like, you know, three and a half to five minutes. Yeah, or a good old Metallica instrumental pushing eight to nine minutes. Oh, you know, yeah, or any song off of Injustice for All. Oh, yeah, the, my favorite Metallica album. God, I love that album. Uh, the, there's an acoustic instrumental song called Kiowas in that album as well. And it was recorded in the open air ruins of a Welsh castle because the album was actually recorded in South Wales. And okay. it was a, they, so they, I guess they wanted like the, the atmosphere of it, I guess. But it right. was, uh, the song was a tribute to the Guarani Kiowa people in Brazil who committed mass suicide in protest to government incursion on their land. Like Gojira kind of uh, territory. Yeah, just a like pretty tragic situation, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like lyrically wise to tackle it, yeah. Yeah, well, it's an instrumental song, right? But like, they uh, music wise, sorry. But yeah, musically, it's it's a, a bit of a tribute to them, right? Right. Um, and this this would kind of carry on. So, I mean, from this album, Chaos AD, they they started t touching on some of this uh, indigenous Brazilian stuff, and then mm -hmm. they they take that a lot further with Roots, the the next album that we've talked right. about a bit before. Yeah, yeah, we we've touched on that. So uh, Sepultura, they actually found a way to stay, the, they, they found a way to change their music in the early to mid-90s while not sacrificing any of the heaviness. So they, uh, they, they kind of remained relevant while the grunge explosion overshadowed most of mainstream metal and hard rock at the time. Right. So similar to Pantera, although Pantera was like massive, but uh, yeah. Sepultura was kind of right behind them. They were like one of the bands that didn't really fall off the face of the earth. Like they, they kind of stayed relevant all the way through. And right. they, yeah. but, but that was because they... We're able to kind of adapt and change their music to suit the audience, I guess, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, but like, without becoming like soft, right? Like they were still heavy. Yeah, like adapt and adapt well. Yeah. Unlike yeah, like uh, the, <clears throat> Metallica, uh, for example. Yeah, like, like a lot. Well, I mean, Metallica adapted, just they went soft, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Sepultura's music was still good. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in 1996, Sepultura released their last album with Max Cavalera called Roots. And we have right. talked about this before uh, when we did that in 1996 episode. Um, so Max first got the idea of the concept for Roots. He watched a movie called At Play in the Fields of the Lord, which I don't know if you've heard of that movie. I haven't. So, no. It's about two missionaries who go to the rainforest, and uh, it stars some pretty big names, actually. Uh, guys like Tom Berenger, John Lithgow, uh, and oh, uh, uh -huh. uh, Kathy Bates is also in it. And there's uh -huh. actually okay. there's actually like some other fairly big name actors. Actually, like when I, I, I hadn't really heard of it, and I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, I, like, I know almost all these actors. Like It's a pretty big deal. So, so Roots further embraced the influence of Brazil's tribal peoples, like I was mentioning. Uh, and it musically, it had a more down-tuned sound with similarities to new metal. And, uh, and this was before new metal had become like a big thing. That was like a couple years later. Yeah. And the, uh, the band found even further success with Roots, uh, even from Chaos AD, and it would quickly become their biggest selling album. Okay. So now back to the main topic, which was Max leaving Sepultura. So... Like at this point, Sepultura is at the, like the peak of their success. So like the, they just put out their biggest selling album and they're becoming huge. And then like Max just leaves the band. So it seems like the two biggest factors that contributed to him leaving the band were the death of his wife, Gloria's son, Dana. So this is like a son she had before in a car accident around that time. Right. And then also the, uh, the overwhelming success the band was having at the time and then the effect that it was having on the different members of the band. Right. Oh, so I started reading like stuff where they interviewed Max about it, and you get Max's side of it. And then I read another story 
where they talk to the other band members and then you kind of get their side of it. Uh, so I'll kind of go through a bit of both. Uh, okay. So there's a, a quote from Max. He's like, all of a sudden we're this really big machine and we couldn't really comprehend it and we didn't know how to deal with it. So that's kind of from the success side of it there. Right. Uh, and according to Max in an in interview, they got news about Dana's death while they were in England to do the Donington Festival with Ozzy. So it was like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, they find out that her son passed away and it was like hit them pretty hard. And while, while Max needed to take time to support his grieving wife uh, and the band was pushing to keep touring. Right. Um, so, and everyone else in the band turned on him, including his brother, Igor. Hmm. So that, that was like kind of from his perspective. And uh, Max also alleges that Andreas Kisser's wife went so far as trying to get a hold of Dana's body in order to get him buried quick so that the band could go back on tour right away. Wow. So it sounds pretty cold from that. Yeah, point. seriously. Yeah. Uh, so there's some stories that the reasons related to these situations led to the band firing Gloria as their manager. Cause she, at this time she was still their manager. Right. Uh, but from Max's side, he says that her contract was up and she chose not to renew it. Though when you talk to like, when they talk to the other guys in the band, they say that the contract was coming up and they chose to like let her go. So it was like, you get kind of two different, it's like the same thing, but you get two slightly different stories, right? Yeah. Makes sense. So, so Max obviously chose to side with his wife after all this drama with the band. Mm. And then, I, like I said, I got some perspective from other members of the band. Uh, it was an article from Louder Sound where they were talking about when they split up. Yeah. But uh, Andreas Kisser, he, he was talking about the time that they were recording Roots. And he said, this is a quote, uh, this had started to go kind of weird before that. When Zion, who's Max and Gloria's son, was born, instead of putting... A ba- the band on the cover of a magazine, they had Max with his kid. That's nothing to do with the band. To have a kid is not that special. I have three myself. <laughs> I love I, I love them, but I don't use them as a trophy. <laughs> like, that's, it a, kinda, that's a pretty good point, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like it sounds, the way he says it, it's kind of cold, but he does make a good point. No, yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah, no, totally, that, that definitely makes sense. Especially just, like, if you're... If you're like trying to cultivate maybe kind of an image for yourself or like you have an idea of this and then someone just goes and does that and uses it to like promote their own image themselves or their family. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, I guess. And, they, and you know, from their, the band's perspective, like, like they feel that they're doing this together and he's, yeah. like being, you know, from that side of the story, they it seems like he's kind of distancing himself. Like I'm the band. I'm the I'm the focal point of this kind of thing. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. Which I, I would totally I would totally agree with or see the same way if I was in their shoes, I think. Um, it's, you know, there's always like two sides and then the truth, right? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, so bassist Paulo Jr., he, uh, he, he had a quote where, I guess things weren't right when we started to tour Roots. We saw things were not being represented the way the three of us would like. So by three, I mean, he, he means like the other three members of the band, I guess, besides Max, yeah. including yeah. himself. Um, the other party was taking credit for everything and not really giving the rest of the band credit for what we worked for. So you can see this is kind of a bit of a trend, like this these two factions, right? Yeah, yeah, they're clashing with each other. Like from my point of view, like you can read into the divisiveness that was forming in the band at the time, and this would lead to Max leaving. Like I said, like you, you take the band side, like the other guys, and then you take Max's side, and it's like you know that they're both a little bit biased to their own perception, yeah. right? But like, you know, there's some truth in there, and then a little bit of personal bias or opinion. Yeah, and in like a case like that, there's almost like validity on either side to like within the bias like 
if that's your yeah. personal situation, that's fair to feel that way, even if it's not the same yeah. for the other side. Well, it's, it's almost like sense. they're both, they're, they're not, neither of them are really wrong, right? Or I'd say like neither of them are maybe necessarily right 100% or wrong 100%. Like they're both kind of in the middle, it seems to yeah. me. Uh, so yeah, so I guess months after uh, Max would leave Sepultura, he would form the band Soulfly. That sounds familiar. That's yeah, Soulfly is big. Like, Soulfly, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Soulfly in that time period were sold better than Sepultura's albums without him. Oh, okay. So like the fans kind of followed him, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. So Sepultura would enlist an American singer, a guy named Derek Green, who he remains Sepultura's vocalist to the present day, and they've released several studio albums. Okay. And just to touch on, we're not going to go too deep into Sepultura without Max, because that was the premise of this episode. But um, right. as far as the albums they released with Derek Green, the first few, I don't remember like loving them that much. They're like they're OK. Uh, but the last couple they've put out have been pretty good. Like they put out one called Quadra last. Was it last year, the year before? And I really enjoyed it. And there's one before that called Kairos. And it's really good as well. So I, I feel like they've gotten better, actually, up till present day. Uh, they've like, okay. refined their sound, I guess, and kind of found their groove. So, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And I was never a huge Soulfly fan. Like Soulfly is a little bit, like I could see the appeal, and Soulfly's got a little more mainstream appeal because it's, I guess, like musically, it's a little bit simpler, you know, from a metalhead's perspective. Yeah. Um, it's like maybe a little bit closer to like new metal or something, I guess. Like it's not a lot of like technical guitar work and stuff. But it's it's still it's it's good music. It's aggressive. It's it's heavy. Uh, lots of uh, emotion and whatnot. Yeah. No, you've talked kind of talked about before. Like new metal ish style is is not really your thing. No, yeah, it's I, it's, it's, it's not my favorite. Like I, I can, I, I like some of it. And I can I can dig it a bit, but it's not like something I really go out of my way to listen to very often. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, like I was saying about Sepultura, new singer, still making albums. Uh, Igor Cavalera, the drummer would leave Sepultura 10 years after Max, so in 2006. And according to Max, uh, Igor called his wife Gloria to apologize for all the stuff from before. Oh. And uh, he smoothed things over with Max after not speaking to each other for 10 years, which is pretty wow. crazy. Okay. Yeah. After like these brothers who like were super close and then kind of mm -hmm. stuff happened. Uh, so the Cavalera brothers would form the band Cavalera Conspiracy in 2007. And uh, they'd release material with some similarities to... Uh, Max era Sepultura, and nice. uh, yeah, some of that Cavalier conspiracy stuff's really good. I enjoy that. That's I like that stuff more than I like the Soulfly stuff, mm -hmm. quite a bit actually. So I mean, yeah, that's about it. I just thought it'd be kind of neat to go into that, a little history on Sepultura, and then kind of what happened with Max there. Pretty, yeah, it's uh, a band I don't really know a ton about, so that was all new information for me. And it was just it was a big it was a big deal back then because Sepultura was just getting huge, and then all of a sudden. Yeah. Like the yeah. main guy just quits right when they're at their peak of their popularity. So it was, when you have your biggest commercial hit, yeah, it was pretty shocking at the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into the workout playlist. Yeah, do it. I ain't got time to bleed. This is the trouble. Let's put a smile on that face. All right, we're going to do this chronologically, as I tend to do. <laughs> uh, especially for you, because you probably haven't heard a lot of Sepultura, so for uh, you, you can... Yeah, not a lot. This is, this will be kind of like, uh, you know, when we did Ministry or something like that, where you can hear it. I mean, it's, it's not as drastic of a, 
as a transition as ministry, obviously. Most bands wouldn't be. But you're going to hear the transition of like the type of songwriting, the quality of sound, musicianship, like as you go from the very early stuff to the the newer stuff. But yeah, yeah. totally. So song number one, we're going to do the song Bestial Devastation from their EP Bestial Devastation. Who knew? (laughs) From uh, 1985. Uh, it's, It's pretty rough, but considering how young they were when they recorded this, like Igor was only 15 when they recorded oh this. Oh my god! So, yeah, yeah, it's freaking crazy. Uh, so it's it's pretty impressive when you consider that. Uh, it, it's it's really generic early death metal type lyrics, uh, nothing groundbreaking musically, but it's a solid starting point for the band. Mm-hmm. So Sweet. check it out. All right, uh, bestial devastation. I think with good production value, that song would be pretty solid. Like, it's not a bad song by any means. Yeah, I, I think like, yeah. they released it all together later on. So there was originally, there's the Bestial Devastation EP and then the Morbid Visions album. And later yeah. on, I, I actually have that on CD, but I, I have the later. I think Roadrunner actually released it uh, later on with both together on one album. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I have that copy. So I... Like I, I listened to this like years and years ago, but yeah, like they, if they re-recorded all this stuff, they could make it sound pretty decent. Yeah, because it's already that there's there's a good song in there. It's just a, it sounds like it's recorded on a phone from someone's like living room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, song number two. It's a song called "War" from Morbid Visions from 1986. Uh, yeah. So that song "Troops of Doom" was kind of an enduring hit off this album. Like they still play it live and stuff, or they they did like all the way through when Max was there at least. Okay. But I, I love this kind of the ferocious, simple death thrash of war. It's like when I say death thrash, it's like thrash metal guitars with like death metal vocals kind of okay. uh, and lyrics. Yeah. And the Thank guitar you. the guitar bridge after the verse is kind of sweet. I like that part of it. Uh, the production, again, is fairly rough, but you can tell the band is inspired and hungry. Like they're, they're trying really hard, basically. Yeah. All right. War. <laughs> The, the garage sound in that one is a little more endearing than uh, yeah. than the other one. Like it's it's just good enough that you get the actual song out of it. I I really like it. Yeah, it's definitely a better like a, a step up. Like every every yeah. album they make is a step up in like mm-hmm. in everything basically. Like, yeah, and you can you can tell too even uh, with the like lower production quality that they're putting a lot of like emotion into it, which is it, it always shines through. I find like if someone really cares about what they're making, like you can tell. Yeah. Well, and I think like Max has a lot of angst towards, you know, organized religion and, and government stuff like the politics. Like he's just, yeah, especially at this point, he's like really mad about a lot of stuff, you know, especially growing yeah. up the way they did. Right. Yeah. Growing up, growing up 
poor and growing up in in Brazil where there would be a lot of politics and uh, religion, like very Catholic country. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, probably a pretty rough country to grow up in like that for sure. Like a lot of corruption and shit like that, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, uh, song number three. The song is called From the Past Come the Storms from the album Schizophrenia from 1987. So now we have better production, uh, better guitar work with the addition of Andreas Kisser, the new guitarist. Uh, solid thrash riffs with some death metal finesse. There's still like a little bit of those elements in there. Uh, so this is one of the strongest songs on the album, and I just like the title, <laughs> From the Past Come the Storms. <laughs> this is a cool title. Cool album art too. I uh, I've I've made a point to follow on on TikTok specifically. There's like a couple people that have schizophrenia and they try to like describe what it's like. And yeah. this one guy is like an artist and he draws out what his um, I can't remember what they're called, but the like images that he sees, like the people or the entities, maybe is the word that he uses that yeah. that are always there with him. It's like uh, their multiple personality kind of thing. Yeah, sort of. But they're kind of their own thing that just kind of like yeah. accompany him along the way he has like names for him and stuff because they've been with him his whole life uh, oh, wow. and uh this album cover kind of looks like what that guy depicts so pretty accurate Interesting. yeah that's kind of yeah. cool all right from the from the past comes the storms hell of a solo and uh i don't know there's something about the the cadence of their music it's something different because i haven't listened to a lot of them before like they have a they have like something special going on i don't know what it is yeah well i mean at this point around this time and like especially the album after they really started to kind of break from the pack you know mm -hmm. i mean aside from like the big four of thrash it's like sepultura was like right up there right mm -hmm. behind those guys basically yeah no so, it may, makes sense it's like these are good these are good songs yeah well they just get better and better and like a andreas kisser is like a, a really good guitarist and like you tell the difference in like the quality of guitar work at this point too oh yeah it's a, it's incredible all right uh, moving on to beneath the remains so we're gonna do the title track beneath the remains from said album uh and for some reason i have written down here yeah it's 1989 i put 1987 but schizophrenia came in 1987 beneath the remains is 1989 um, I, I love the acoustic lead-in and like right up to like this breakneck fast thrash riff. Uh, the song's got pretty graphic lyrics about war, which is like common with a bunch of their songs. But uh, Sepultura turns a big corner with this album, even after the last one. And uh, it's apparent right from this opening track with both the production and musicianship. And uh, also vocally, like Max is starting to find his groove with his vocals at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to get through the acoustic part and into like the, the main riff. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll skip through a bit. But don't skip through too much because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Once once I get the idea, I'll make sure I get the, the whole picture. All right. Beneath the remains.
I love it. That's a fantastic song. I I'm a sucker for an acoustic intro as well. That's why uh, yeah. I love uh, Battery and uh, I think it's Blackened is the opening track to Justice for All. Yeah, Blackened's got a great intro too. Yeah, yeah. like the acoustic intros. There's something about the contrast that just dude, that, grabs you. It's that light and shade stuff, right? Like I love yeah. that. Shit. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, when it when it's done well, it's so good. Sometimes when it's like too mellow for too long it kind of brings you down or if it's like kicks off like too aggressive it like kind of turns you off but when it like leads in just that right just like the perfect segue right yeah that's that's a fantastic song and i was just like looking through the lyrics too because um it's it's very uh i guess it is very metallica you like early metallica where a lot of the songs were just about war yeah uh, and that kind of thing but uh good lyrics too he's a good lyricist you can you can see the the evolution in his lyrics too like as you go from album to album and he's like getting better and better and i think a lot of it has to do with like his english as well like those mm -hmm. first albums i don't think they could even speak english at all those first albums they were just kind of like scraping by right but like at this point they're yeah. probably starting to understand more english like it's getting better because it's their second language right it's like they're yeah yeah so he's starting to get a pretty good grasp on on uh you know turning a phrase kind of thing yeah which is even more impressive because like not even that he has to do that i guess maybe to be commercially successful but to be able to like learn the new language and then write really good lyrics out of it that's yeah. that's really impressive like one of my uh one of my favorite bands is that milky chance they're sort of like a folky indie band -ish. never heard of them. probably yeah probably not your style like <laughs> more mine but they're but they're a german band and yeah. uh it's it's funny because like they're German, they'll write their songs in English, but if you look at the lyrics, like some of the sentences don't really make that much sense because like their first language is German, and they they don't have to learn perfect English to make a good song. But it's it's kind of funny looking at it. It's like I can see where you gave up. <laughs> have you ever have you ever read like lyrics to the Scorpions? <laughs> the Scorpions is it have the been, same deal. <laughs> the Scorpions have been saying singing in English for like fifty years, but if you look at some of their lyrics, even especially <laughs> like in the eighties, they're just really really awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, song song number five. It's another song from Beneath the Remains. It's called Stronger Than Hate. Uh, so the song Inner Self was the single off the album. And if you look at like the uh, the the listens on Spotify, like how many people have listened to it, so Inner Self has got the highest number of listens. But I find Beneath the Remains and Stronger Than Hate are both better songs. I think Inner Self probably just gets a lot of hits because it was a single and there's a video. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, Stronger Hates, well in my opinion, a better song. Uh, okay. It's got an awesome riff. The pace is great. Uh, the lyrics and vocals are full of uh, vitriol. I love that word. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, e Igor's drumming is great, too. Sweet. All right. Stronger Than Hate. I got really caught up listening to the entire like intro to it. There's Man, some great guitar work that, eh? Guitar work, the tempo change got yeah, me hooked. Yeah. They these guys know music theory very yeah, well. But these are just like a bunch of like kids who just started a band. Like they don't even I don't think I don't know if any of them had any like technical training that's like, too much, but like they're easy. Yeah, they definitely take to it naturally for sure. Like 
seriously to, to do that organically is is ridiculous like yeah. I don't, this might sound dramatic it's like beatles level where like paul mccartney would just like teach himself instruments and just kind of know what sounds good like that kind of that kind of natural talent is yeah. incredibly rare yeah sure because i mean these guys grew up like poor especially the cavalera brothers like i don't they think they have much money for like music lessons and stuff right mm-hmm. like they just yeah. kind of quit school instead of jamming that's that's crazy yeah uh, that's the best lessons i guess just doing it yourself yeah well they i mean they definitely found the right career path for mm-hmm. sure uh what are we on now number six sounds right number six is the song arise from the album arise from 1991. uh this might be my favorite riff from a simple true song uh, maybe it's because it's a little nostalgic for me but i really like it uh if, if not my favorite song of theirs overall or pretty close to uh, it's, it's got like this near perfect thrash riff and the lyrics are like dark but kind of inspiring okay yeah let's check it out arise <laughs> The, the drumming is the the biggest shift I can I can notice. It's getting progressively better and better in big ways. Well, you got to remember he's still freaking young. He was like so. Igor was born in like 1970. So at this point, he's this is like their what fifth album, kind of. That's and, crazy. And, and he's he's only 21 at this point, right? So that's, that's pretty that's insane. Nuts. And, and and Max does talk about like when they were kids. Like he he actually wanted to be a drummer, but like Igor was like quite a bit younger than him, and he was like way better so he just like decided oh, to go to already <laughs> yeah like he would just like bang on like pots and pans and stuff like they, they didn't have drums for a lot like when they were really young or whatever until later on and yeah just like find whatever he could to drum on uh, right but apparently he took to it pretty pretty quick yeah and, uh, uh, he's like the evolution is is impressive yeah he's good even when you get to their even their uh, albums after this it's even he pro- progresses even more like he's he, he's like tra- trying out different styles and stuff like it's yeah pretty cool no, I'm loving all of these so far. Uh, the next song is the the second song on the album Arise. It's called Dead Embryonic Cells. Uh, it's it's a the other single off of that album. Uh, some more top notch thrash with some cool guitar breakdowns to change it up a bit. Uh, it's not mindless death thrash like that. Just relied on kind of morbid lyrics and over the top speed. So they're starting to be a little more diverse in their mm-hmm. uh, in their music, like uh, which right. is different, like changing it up a little bit with the tempo and stuff like you've seen in the last yeah. couple albums, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. Dead embryonic cells. Yeah, it's just it's just more of that. I've I've just never done a deep dive into Sepultura. I really listen to them closely at all, and it's I, it's honestly kind of blowing my mind. I don't know if it's coming across dramatic, but listening to this in headphones, where you're getting like the full experience. So I have like noise canceling headphones on right now. Is I blowing really my mind. What they're it, doing. Eh? Yeah, yeah, like the, everything they're doing is 
really really intricate but it doesn't it kind of doesn't sound like that at first yeah you can see like once you start listening to it this uh like with that kind of detail uh, this like now you can start to see why they got so big so fast oh yeah definitely like, like why it, they kind of like jumped over top of like a whole bunch of other bands that were in the same genre at the time yeah just the the, the little things that they're doing makes the song so in- interesting like it's never stale because there's these yeah. these little like skip beats or like extended note while the drums keep going like it's it all it's like a, a symphony <laughs> i don't know i'm really yeah. just astounded by them i i've loving the music so far well and a lot of people that like like the thrash part because like i mean they kind of they don't completely go away from thrash after this but they start to like definitely start to change it up a lot more and like let different influences in other than thrash yeah, yeah. Uh, so like arise is probably their last true thrash album but like a lot of people would, I mean, everybody's got their own uh, tastes or whatever. But like, there are a lot of people who will say like Arise or maybe even Beneath the Remains are like their favorite Sepultura album, right? Depending on who you talk to. So, so this is this is one of the the favorites. For me, Arise is probably my favorite. Right. But it's I mean it's not far and above my favorite. But it's I would say like if I was to, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Arise. Yeah. It would yeah. stand out gotcha. for me out of their library. Uh, but yeah, we'll move on from that. We'll go to song number eight. Um, so this is where things start to change up a little bit. So song number eight is going to be the song Refuse Resist from Chaos AD from 1993. It's the first track off Chaos AD. And this is one of my favorite opening tracks to like any album ever. Uh, the, I may have said that a bunch of times, but it's true this time. <laughs> uh, I've got lots of favorite songs of all sorts of... <laughs> for all sorts well, it's of like things you forget about and then you hear it yeah. and you go, oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I say one of my favorites, that could be a list of like a hundred. So, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the build up into the opening drums and then into this like perfect riff that just blends so well with the drums, like they just really complement each other. Yeah. Uh, and Max's vocals are pretty much perfect for the mood of the song. Uh, he's really zoned in on like the tone of his vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and really like it's it's a soundtrack to anybody who's fighting, like anyone who's in society who's fighting some kind of oppression. Right. Yeah, it's a pretty common theme they keep going with. Alright, refuse resist. to pull myself out of every single one of these songs that's that is fantastic good how good is that 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 is incredible that's just great it's like i talked about it before like dillinger escape plan is one of my favorite bands that has those tempo changes pretty consistently through like all of their songs uh and it's like that on steroids i bet they were heavily influenced by this shit oh they had to have been (laughs) there's no way they weren't yeah so like if i was to pick like my two favorite Sepulchre albums would probably be Arise and Chaos AD and then uh, Beneath the Remains maybe would be right around the, those two. But like Chaos AD is, it's different, right? Like, so when I think like, when I think of Arise and Chaos AD, like they aren't directly competing with each other to me because they're so different. Like mm-hmm. they change their music enough that like they're almost in a different genre, but like they, yeah. but they're still heavy, right? Like it's 
So there's, like, there's still a little bit of thrash element in there, but like it's they've gone like so far beyond that at this point. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, or because you've sort of been saying that like this whole time, and now that I'm hearing it, I get it. I know what you mean because it's it sounds like yeah. them, but it's different. I know when you read some some like reviews and people talking about it, they they talk about like incorporating like the like, groove metal into it, which is groove metal would be like Pantera at this time too, like mid '90s Pantera, so like uh, mm -hmm. Fabian driven kind of thing, right? Yeah, there's like you can hear a bit of that style in there for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Thing. And this is like the kind of metal that was still doing really well at this time when like grunge was huge, right? Yeah, no, I I get it. Uh, number nine, we're gonna do another song off KSAD, and yeah. the song is Propaganda. This was originally supposed to be the title track because he wanted to call the album Propaganda originally. Uh, the uh, what I would call the wall of guitars. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> it cha changes pace just at the right times, and Ego's drumming is excellent as usual. Right. Uh, the, oh man, I use the word vitriol again, but I can't. Use it, <laughs> yeah, right. you're really on that word. Yeah, eh? <laughs> yeah I love that word. But uh, yeah, like the anger and frustration in the vocals, right, and the in, yeah. in the lyrics, and on the entire album of KSCD is apparent, and it sets up the tone for like the whole album. Right. I gotcha. Okay, propaganda. shit that's fucking awesome and i just like when i listen to that it just makes me want to like put it on my like actual stereo and just freaking crank it yeah it's badass and then like that's every good. every single section of the song i'm sure there's a different word for that like as it goes from verse to chorus to bridge whatever it changes like, really yeah, yeah it'll be like the same format but he's doing something a little different like it, the whole thing's yeah. fresh that's like it's not yeah. linear it's like something yeah like it's jumping around but in like a really harmonic way yeah, no, it's uh, that's awesome. I I'm loving this. Madden every single song to my own private playlist. <laughs> this is awesome. I know I'm not like so. When I get to the, this is the last song, number ten. So I'm, I got to do at least one song from Roots. So unfortunately, okay. I'm not going to do Roots Bloody Roots, even though it's my favorite song <laughs> on the album because we already did it on a, a previous playlist. Right. And I don't I don't like to repeat songs on our worker playlist. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're gonna do the song Attitude from Roots, uh, which okay. might be my second favorite song on the album. I guess okay. after Roots Bloody Roots. Uh, and I just like, I know a lot of people are going to hate on me maybe because Roots is like my fourth favorite album of theirs. <laughs> and like a lot of people would be, would probably pick it as their first, like especially people who aren't thrash fans maybe. Yeah, because it's their biggest album. It's their biggest selling album. I mean, if I was to be objective, like me being a thrash guy, I'm going to like look at Arise and Beneath the Remains and like they're amazing. But if I was like objective, I was just like a heavy music fan like the best album, I would say probably Chaos AD altogether yeah. is like their best album. But to me, like I listened to Roots the last few days, actually, even I've been listening to Roots in its entirety again, like over and over again. And I'm trying to like see anything that would lead me to believe that's like any better than their other albums. And I really can't, to me, it's just not, it's not as good as Chaos AD. It's not as good as Arise. Like it's, it's kind of groundbreaking, like the type, the sound that they got from it. Like, and I, and I really like respect the, the, the tribal part of it that he he did like the concept of it yeah 
but like as an album like song for song it's just not that strong to me like so roots buddy yeah. roots is a phenomenal song uh attitude's a pretty good song uh rata mahata is like pretty cool song uh straight hates all right but like really the rest of the album i can pick a few songs that are okay but it's like it just doesn't really uh for me i just can't listen to it like i could with chaos ad or arise right so i i don't feel as strongly about it as other people do i guess but yeah, we'll do the song Attitude. So at least do one song from Roots. And it's uh, still a solid song. Uh, it's got a great shift in the verse where like the drums and guitars kind of get faster and heavier. Uh, like they do a lot of those tempo changes, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, give it a listen. Yeah, let's check it out. Attitude. I guess maybe it's, yeah, it's not as mind-blowing as the Chaos AD songs that we were listening to, but it's, yeah. it's great. It's still great. Yeah, I know. They're definitely, in, I mean, Roots Bloody Roots is still, like, that song is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. I, wish, I, I wish I could put it on this playlist, but I just can't repeat, you know. It's, yeah, that's you know, <laughs> totally fair. It's just like my, my integrity won't allow me to. I, I respect it. I respect sticking to that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for, for Sepultura for today. Um, were we going to chat about the... Uh, the Grammys. We did a Grammy episode. So, do you know who won? Yeah. No, I actually I haven't looked at it. I forgot they actually happened because Ozzy Ozzy won. Uh, is that who? That's who we predicted, right? Yeah. No, I I predicted Ghost. Oh, um, so yeah, so did I. Yeah, okay. But uh, now I remember. You know, I'm not I'm not surprised that Ozzy won because I mean it's it's freaking Ozzy. He's like the it's biggest Ozzy. name on the list. Yeah. But like I I personally like. I don't know. I, that was one of the weaker songs on that album, and, and I think it was mostly because like I didn't love the lyrics. Yeah, I guess like, the, 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 the riff was okay, but like, yeah, it I wasn't really a metal song. Still, I don't feel yeah. like it was a. I don't really feel it was a Grammy worthy song. To be honest, I think the the I think the Grammy people are just like pandering. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, like as we said before, I don't think any of them were like Grammy worthy songs. Well, the the only metal, real metal song was the Megadeth one, and even like it was a good song, but it's like if I was gonna pick legitimate, like groundbreaking songs that should be up for a prestigious award, like I would pick five totally different songs, probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I, I I would probably pick a different song off that Megadeth album, even. Then I'll be back. Like. Mm -hmm. we'll, and we'll, and we'll, since we'll be back. And since we did that too, I listened to the entire Omens album by Lamb of God, and I just made me more angry <laughs> that they yeah, didn't get of, any pull on that. Well, Lamb of God should have been on that list for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So anyway, Ozzy won, and Ozzy also won for best rock album, I believe too. Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. That right yeah. there is a problem in and of itself that he's winning best metal performance and best rock album, but. I, I've already like ranted enough to my fiance this past couple weeks about how mad that makes me. So I, I feel like yeah, I need to stop. <laughs> you're burned out for being so angry for so long. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, like, she might break up with me if I keep complaining about how the Grammys don't know what metal is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we better, yeah. We'll take a break till next year when we do the exact same thing all over again. Yeah, yeah. By then, she'll have recharged enough. I can do it again. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess unless there's any, like, Sepultura news or anything, they they have anything no, groundbreaking well, I mean, that's happened? Yeah, it's a different band now anyway, so. so. Oh, yeah, as you were saying, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be putting out a new studio album. Like they're still together. Max is still putting out music, and uh, yeah, I mean, check if anybody likes the Sepultura sound, like check out the uh, Cavalera Conspiracy because they got some pretty good stuff. And right. uh, the new, some of the new Sepultura albums, like I was saying, Quadra is good. They, I think it's their newest studio album, and uh, the Kairos, one of the ones before that, was really good. There's right. actually uh, they did a cover of Just One Fix, uh, Ministry song off mm -hmm. uh, on Kairos, I believe, and it's really good. Right. So. That's that's cool. All right, so that is going to do it for this episode of The Heavy. So you can see the show notes for a complete list of all the songs we talked about and you heard in this episode. Uh, we've got a link to that Season 3 workout playlist we just went over. It's a living thing where we keep adding the songs to it, so make sure to subscribe to that, uh, add it to your favorites. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a rating on iTunes. Our website is theheavy.podbean.com. You can email us at heavypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Heavy Pod on all of those. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland with Andrew doing the research. Our brother Rob designed our logo. Our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. And I'm your host, Don Sutherland. And thanks for listening. We will catch you again in two weeks. Later. Um, oh, Mainstream Sellout, Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, I like that. Is that an award? <laughs>